0: Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Big show coming your way push Career Cup Australia champion, David Wall. Reaches up 200 races this weekend up in Darwin. We'll have a chat to him, Richard will in just one very quick sec. What a great journey it's been for him as well. Will Davison and Anton De Pasquale to join us for Will, a milestone for him, his 500th Australian Touring Car Championship Supercars start. So it'll be great to hear from him about that. And Anton De Pasquale talks about how he's planning to help DJR rediscover their pre winton form. Mark Walker, Richard Crowell, to wrap up what's been a massive weekend in sport, and we'll also look ahead to this weekend in Darwin. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, to kick off the show, Richard Crowell caught up with David Wall, Porsche Carrera Cup champion, to talk to him about his 200th race this weekend up in Hidden Valley. Crowell's
1: well, this weekend's third round of the Porsche Painter Dixon Carrera Cup Australia Championship will see a milestone. It's one that's only happened once before in the championship's history. And that's a long time because it's been around since the early 2000s. This weekend, the former series champion David Wall will celebrate his 200th Carrera Cup Australia race. He joins me on the line now, Wally. Welcome. Uh, congratulations, mate. This is a massive milestone. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I um,
2: for me, uh, I don't know really know how to take it. If I'm honest, <laughs> that that I'd be happy with it or be a little bit, um, a little bit disappointed, <laughs> with, uh, feeling like I'm getting older and older. And uh, yeah, there's a bit more salt and pepper happening. But um, yeah, look, I, I I've been in a very fortunate position where I've been able to race for a very long time and um and do what I've wanted to do, um, especially the last uh, few years and continuing career cup racing. So uh, yeah, look, I've. I love the class. I love, um, you know, racing the, the the young, new up-and-comers that are coming in. And um, I've always said as long as I'm com- competitive and uh, we can do a good job of it and I can make it all happen, um, I want to keep racing Career Cup for the foreseeable future, for sure.
1: And your Career Cup journey has been in two parts because it was first as a way for you to establish yourself on the national scene in a hugely competitive championship, much like those young drivers you just mentioned are now. Yeah. And after that, it's been a, a place for you to come back after a full-time supercars career and continue to race at a very high professional competitive level, run your race team and, and be successful in business as well as racing. But take me back to that first sort of stanza of your Carrera Cup career. What stands out from you in sort of part one of your Porsche journey? Uh, part one
2: for me in 2006 was my my first year and I raced with a team called um, PCR, Paul Crick Trent Racing. Uh, which I had Andy MacRae in it, which um, mm. was much um, involved in the day-to-day running of the team. And um, that was my first introduction to, to Career Cup racing in general. Um, I came from state-level racing and some small national um, events running the Australian Sports Adam Championship and, and a few selected ones that I was able to get going. And then uh, we managed to make the step in 2006. Um, and we came away with Rookie of the Year honours against some, um, some very good guys. Um, so that, for me, was was my highlight, um, notably probably the last round at Phillip Island. We qualified on the front row, and um, that cemented, our, our, I suppose, our um, our next year in 2007 and trying to uh, establish myself as a, as a young driver at that time um, yeah, going through the ranks.
1: Was, you, you've sort of been associated with the Porsche brand because you raced GT here in a, a Porsche GT3R. Was it ever a, a target or a plan or did it just sort of happen naturally after that Carrera Cup debut?
2: Uh, look, we held or kind of stemmed. I came from um, the, the sports sedan heritage where, you know, it was a big engine and high horsepower cars. And I really enjoy driving those cars. Don't get me wrong, but um, I was maybe a little bit against Porsches. Um, they were the cars that were um, that shouldn't have been as fast as what they were with what they had under the bonnet and everything else that goes with those. So um, I got the opportunity to to drive one, um, and I was basically hooked after the first lap, I think, um, and a grip and the feedback and the the driver side of things, um, the enjoyment factor of driving one of those cars, um, and the reward of driving it right is um, is up there with you know, the best that I think I've driven. Um, whether it be that earlier vintage and you know o five o six, or to the the current nine nine two, they um they they still have that Porsche feel, um, although they've evolved and things have gotten faster. They um they still got their their heart, and and soul has still remained. So um yeah, I was lucky enough to kind of have a drive there and fell into um into yeah you know, basically going to Australian GT in two thousand five two thousand six. Uh, 2006 did Australian GT in a, GT, a 996 RSR uh, which was a phenomenal car and uh, and then also first year in career cup so it was um, yeah kind of coming from state a little bit of national type racing and then followed by two massive championships um, in one year so um, as I touched on before very lucky and very fortunate to be able to have done what I've done.
1: I have fond memories of that RSR I think that was when you yeah. and I first met back in those those early days of what was the, the rebooted Australian GT. And that was a really cool car and a really interesting era of GT with a whole bunch of different cars and some really competitive racing. And you came away with a, a couple of championships. So fast forward to when your supercar career, at least your full-time driving career had stopped. Was it an easy decision to go, yep, Carrera Cup's where I want to be? Or did you look elsewhere at gt or super 2 or somewhere else uh
2: for me personally it was uh where i wanted to go back and enjoy my motorsport again um albeit i did enjoy my supercars time my four years i was fortunate enough to have there and race for some great teams um but i was looking for something different in my motorsport again i wanted to get back to the the bit that i enjoyed which i touched on before which was you know the enjoyment factor of driving a particular car and I, I had that with Porsche so I uh, I opted for that direction and uh, have been there ever since so um, yeah we ticked that box in 2016 able to do it with my my own team uh, which was always happening in the background anyway so we uh, we ramped that up and um, we feel like since that 2016 season we we're just continuing to to ramp up along the way and uh, and do the you know, the race meetings and race the cars that we uh, that we enjoy racing and uh, so far it's been uh, it's been really good
1: and you've had other you've had class success in the championship as well as a team but for mine wall racing it sort of flies under the radar a little bit would you agree with that and the the big narrative in Carrera cup is always the the young kids from sonic and mackerel crashing into each other at the front of the field at every race and you know, Ashley would get to car here or there and, and buick and people like that but you guys it's almost like just being there in sydney you fly under the radar a little bit but you guys are one of the most successful Carrera Cup teams of this this second era of Carrera Cup since it came back in 2011.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. We uh, we pour our heart and soul into what we do. Um, it's not just myself, obviously. We've got a lot of good people behind the scenes in in Day Fife and Toddy Gleeson and everyone else who's involved in, in the day-to-day running of, of our workshop. But, um, yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. We do fly under the radar, and I don't really understand why that's the case, if I'm honest, where um, our results have spoken for ourselves. Mm. Uh, in, in the past and um, I feel like we deserve it as much as anyone else, I suppose, but uh, maybe it is the Sydney factor, I'm not sure, but we've always just gone about our business um, and feel like we try to make our, our results or our, um, our yeah, little family-run team, if you like, um, speak for itself. Um, yeah, and generally in the past we've, we've had some very good people come along and um, hopefully in the future we continue to do so. Um, I suppose we would like to get some young juniors you know, along the along the run there. That's probably our next ambition is to try and get some some younger blood within the team. Um, as I said, I we're, we're touching on this 200 racing. I'm not getting any <laughs> Like, as I said, if, if I can keep racing and do a good job, um, yeah, I definitely want to be still racing in Career Cup, but it'd be good to bring a young guy or girl along again um, and um, see what we can make them um, yeah, do in the championship themselves.
1: Well, and that's another point that you've made in that you've done a lot of a lot of your success in Carrera Cup has come as a if not a single car team as a single car pro team and then a pro-am driver as well so it's probably not quite as easy to compare the data compared to a Sonic who's got the the fleet of Bob Jane cars all at the front and McElroy with their multiple cars so you had James Moffat for a season I know Liam Talbot's an unbelievably good am driver so there's probably some correlation there but do you feel like you would go even better if you had a, a young hotshot in a second pro car alongside you?
2: Uh, for sure. I don't think there's ever a negative to, to having multiple cars, whether they're pro or am. Uh, sorry, am all pro. Um, but yeah, it, albeit Liam's a very good pro am, he also drives the car very well. So you can yeah. always, from anybody, you know, along the, along the run, whether you're pro or pro am, but um, you yeah, know as you touched on there we've had Moff here before in 2018 which was great and then we had Craig in last year in 2021 Craig Lowndes so that was um, that was good for the team albeit not young blood he was older than me but um, <laughs> it was great to have around and um, obviously we all you know from someone of his nature you're always learning from someone like that anyway uh, we also had Joey Mawson albeit for a round um, that didn't work out unfortunately for us but um, really rated Joey and having him in the team also. But uh, we had Chelsea Angelo there in GD3 Cup Challenge and we were hopeful she was going to make the step up there, but that didn't evolve. But we feel like if we can get um, that younger blood into the team, we can uh, do as good, if not better job than um, than what the others are doing. Otherwise, we wouldn't be there. But yeah. uh, touched on before, it was difficult in 2017, you know, to win a championship as a single car team is, is difficult, um, especially when you don't have that other opinion or that other data. Uh, you're literally going off what um, what you're feeling in within the car, but uh, on our behalf, it worked out well, and I really enjoyed that that year of racing against the other teams. And um, yeah, with the going down to the last race with Andre Heimgartner was uh, was fantastic.
1: It was cool to watch. Uh, just on the the Chelsea Angelo thing, I think is one of the great. Oh, perhaps what could have been because what she showed in that sort of season she did in Sprint Challenge was really impressive. And um, I think there were a lot of people very keen to see her in a a cup car and what she could have done. My next question, how on earth are you so consistent, Wally? Because since you returned to Carrera Cup, you've never finished outside the top four in the championship. You've won it. You finished second and third and fourth. And now with a complete control-alt-delete of the championship, new drivers, new teams, a brand new car... Going into round three, you're second in the championship. You're right in the mix. How the bloody hell do you do it? Or well, if it's I, a state secret, don't tell I, us because everyone else will be cottoning on.
2: I don't think there is a secret. I, I literally just enjoy what I do. And, um, you yeah, to me, the results will be the results. We just uh, we concentrate on turning up and, and making the car as good as we possibly can, built mm. uh, with a smile on our face, and we make sure that we're doing that because I feel like I go better when I'm enjoying motorsport. Um, and so far, touch wood, it's um, it's turned out well. Yeah, I kind of look back at some of those years where I've been second or third, or last year, especially hurt when we blew that tire in the last race and we were kind of still second in the points. Um, yeah, I kind of look at those that, albeit they were great, second and thirds and everything, and the consistency is awesome for the team. I feel like they're also lost opportunities. So, um, I feel like, you know, we've been a, a champion of the series, but I feel like we could have been a multiple champion on a lot of different occasions. so mm. uh, I, I still, I still feel unbelievably hungry um to to win more championships hopefully that does happen um yeah we all touch on we're fitter and we're faster and all those things i think everyone's lifting the bar each year and uh, i feel like i'm no different so uh yeah just put our head down what will be will be but uh enjoy the ride and uh yeah remember how lucky we are to be doing what we're doing
1: yeah, hundred percent. And you're coming into one of your stronger circuits in Darwin, where you've always gone really well. In fact, from memory, I think that was the site of your last pole position was uh, Hidden Valley a couple of years ago. So, uh, looking uh, looking forward to seeing that. I'll double check that stat before we pull yeah. that
2: out. Uh, Bathurst, so, oh, you um, did too, didn't you? Yeah, Bolzuk yeah. at uh, where is it gold coast and a few other places so oh,
1: what, what do i know i don't know anything uh that's all good uh you have gone well though it was a win there i don't know you've always gone well at hidden valley we'll right. roll with that narrative um tell me about wall racing as a whole because uh, things are going well you had a terrific run at the Bathurst 12 hour with the lambo with with adrian Dietz and the boys which was great uh and the tcr campaign seems to be chuffing along pretty nicely with the hondas as well
2: yeah for sure Well, firstly the 12 hour that was um that was a uh something for me that only turned up probably two or three months before that event as far as driving we're always running the car but um adrian was nice enough to invite me along there and i'd done some previous events with him and one-off kind of races sprint more kind of sprint style races but uh to get the call up there and uh and join uh yeah the the man himself grant daniel tony d and everyone else there was um uh, was great you know we we had 70 people up there. We, we had nothing but the focus of that car to try and make that as best as we possibly could and Paul Fulgi come and engineer it along with day five. and um, everything went really well and we basically maximised everything we could we could do. So fifth fifth was basically um, yeah, our maximum, I, I feel, against the some of the other cars and the, the vintage of the car compared to some of the newer ones and everything else that went into that race. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're over the moon. So to, to have Adrian leave with a trophy that weekend we got a trophy for third in the australian gt part of it yeah Uh, it's phenomenal yeah he's put so much into his motorsport for a long time so that was um that was great to bring home a car that was fifth but also a car that was straight after (laughs) uh, so much in that race (laughs) i've never experienced anything like that first stint in my life i started the race in that fog Mm. and uh, that was unbelievable so uh yeah i kind of i've never got out of a race car and messaged my wife and said that was crazy really yeah, really, really full on, but um, also very cool like to yeah. get out of. Oh, survive that!
1: <laughs> did <laughs> but, you and Tony D draw straws to see who got that first in? Yeah, he dropped me in it basically. He really? Just,
2: uh, yeah, he just he went. Oh, you're doing the morning, uh, so there you go. Right, I'm like, hey, okay, cool. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> I did the night session in uh, and and enjoyed that, but struggled. Mm. And then we just added a bit of fog to that as well. So uh, yeah, it was different for sure, but um. For instance, that car that was in the fence for the first safety car, I never knew that was even there. Really? So I got the, uh, they've got the yellow light on the dash. Yeah. that um, off and trailed, you know, kind of over the hill and picked the middle of the road. And then I called Foggy on the radio and said, oh, what's the yellow for? And he said, oh, there's a car in at the grate. And I was, just, I was at Skyline. So, oh. I had, <laughs> so uh, yeah, pretty sketchy. But in saying that, um, you yeah, know, we got through it and got the job done at hand, which was to, to kind of get through to the light
1: and, then, uh, and progress from there yeah it was it was a really good result mate it was cool to watch and then uh the tcr program is great and you've had some good results this year tony through he's he's driving like you do carrera cup he's there in every race and and you sort of look at the results and go oh, tony's been a little bit quiet oh no wait he's leading the championship how has yeah. that worked um so so through stealth tony's in the mix and then we've had fabian in the stand sport car and he won a couple of races at phillip island so TCR is a, a fickle thing with BOP and the various little formats, but once again, that that consistency seems to be working for you guys.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, once again, we want to win races. You know, there's nothing like putting a, a nice fresh winner's sticker on the on the inside of your door. But mm. uh, which done, and I feel like Tony's deserved a couple of those along the run as well. But if you can't win, you need to be second. If you can't be second, you need to be third, and et cetera. So he's he's doing a good job of that at the moment. And we're preparing at the moment to go to QR later in the year uh and if we can come out of there reasonably you know shiny or at a, a strong result I, I feel like we've got a, a pretty strong position heading into the end of the year so that's the plan we'll just kind of put our head down once again and try and stay out of trouble and be that the the team that no one's looking at if you like and um see what we can we can manage but we enjoy driving uh, i enjoy driving the cars when i'm you know at practice days and what have you i don't I haven't never raced one um mm-hmm. Tony's doing a very good job of them and we feel like the the Honda brand itself has really lifted a little bit this year. We've had a a lot more to kind of fight with. Um, And yeah, QR has been a pretty good track for us in the past. Bathurst is a bit of a struggle. Uh, We're we're not so good in the first and last sector, but we're very good across the top. So uh, the next couple of rounds are important for us, but um, so far so good. It's been really good.
1: No, it's very nice, mate. Now just focusing on this weekend. So the 200th All going well comes up in race two. The stat I was looking for uh, that I made terribly before was that you've had two pole positions out of the last three there. So 2017 and 2018, you were on pole. Uh, 992, it's been quicker everywhere we've gone by a big margin. How do you think that car is going to go at Hidden Valley, which is a really fascinating little circuit with a third of the lap being straight and then all the rest of it jammed into the back, sort of 1.9 Ks around the valley there.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a lot to unfold there because um, the tracks we've been to, albeit yeah, you know, the Grand Prix was different, it was a different layout, mm. so hard to see how much quicker that was there. Uh, and then we've gone to Winton, and we hadn't been there for a few years, so know, um, yeah, obviously going to go a fair bit quicker than that anyway, just in evolution of of cars, but also evolution of teams getting better at what they're doing. So I think this is a real test for the the 992. I feel like hard to say we like poles there is normally a low seven. Uh, I feel like there's definitely a low six on the cards, but we'll see what the, the track conditions and everything kind of give us. But I feel like uh, it's definitely going to see some records tumble. It's just a matter of how far. But I think a second's probably realistic around there for the lengths.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, 66 seconds lap around that place is properly fast. Yeah. Uh, and, and what, finally, what's the key to succeeding at Hidden Valley?
2: Uh, the key is I think at Hidden Valley is flow um, is my biggest thing around there is, is having a car that does what you want it to do and, and keeping the momentum flowing. So um, that's definitely our plan is, is going there with a the car that, um, that I particularly like driving, a, a car that's nice and flowy and um, yeah, not so much stop-start. So we'll see if we can create that, that's for sure. But um, there's been a couple other teams go up there and test, so I feel like they uh, they're may be a little bit better prepared than what others have been able to do. Uh, but once again, just go up there, do our own thing. We've got a bit of a base plan of what we've learned so far with the 992 from testing at um, the, sh- the shakedown or the handover at Eastern Creek and our other test days we've done at Winton and things. So I feel like we're in a reasonable position and we'll just, um, yeah, go out and practice and see what we've got and tune it up from there.
1: Well, Lee, I have absolutely no doubt by race three, you will be right in the mix at the front of the field and we'll look at the championship order and that will be reflected as well. Uh, you'll be pleased to know Chad Nalon and I, we're both cricket tragics, and we know the importance of the double century milestone, uh, and we also know that there's commentators' curses around, so we've we've got a plan to just play it very low-key for you through our practice yeah. and quality. We want to make sure you get to race two so yeah. you can wave that cricket bat around for the double century, but that's going to be a huge moment.
2: Let's um, Yeah, let's see if we can have a good result, and if we can, the beers are on me for everybody. So, um, yeah, if we can have a good result in that second race, I'll,
1: I'll buy you and Chad a,
2: a non-commentators' curse beer. And uh, we can sit down at the end of the weekend and enjoy ourselves.
1: I like that because the beer always tastes better up there as well. Wally, congratulations in advance. Uh, Have a fantastic weekend and thanks for joining us on the grid. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the invite.
0: There's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid. And welcome back. It's on the grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Richard Crails had a good chat with Wally. We'll have a chat about that one tick. Mark Walker, welcome to you. Hello there, Tony Schiapecki.
3: This is hard work. Why? Uh, it, it just is. We're, we're shacked up here in Chateau Crail, and um, we're all huddled around the one microphone. It's like huddling around a campfire. Hmm. I feel like it works. Should we start singing
1: Kumbaya or no, something? No, Shabeki, okay. i heard you sing. No, no.
0: Hey, hey, that's not fair. That won't happen. You were as drunk as I was at the time, so that's oh, yes. so it was. so bad.
1: And that sounds like a Darwin memory, which we can <laughs> yes, seg into yes. for our uh, chat this week.
0: Uh, we can too. Of course, Supercars heading up to Darwin for their regular occurrence. But the great thing about it this time is that people from outside of the Northern Territory can actually make their way up to Darwin and enjoy it as we have in the past.
1: Yeah, myself included, and uh, I can't remember the last time I looked forward to a race meeting more, Tony, than this one. Um, yeah, I just can't wait. There's so much going on up there. Top fuel drag cars are going to be unbelievable. S5000 racing, Superbike Cup take or leave those but uh, it's <laughs> nice nice to have them but uh like three of my favorite things in motorsport up there and then darwin which is one of my other favorite things in motorsport so this is a weekend i'm very much looking forward to shebex way even before you get into any of the random championship permutations that we can talk about in supercars and form and who's
3: going to do uh what uh yeah can't wait just from an event point of view and a trip point of view it's always one of those one events on the calendar that you just circle and you want to be at, even if you're, you're not involved with it. Yeah. Just the vibe up in Darwin, if you've never been, it's so far different to everything else that we experience on the circuit. So it's one of those ones that I'm going to miss and I'm going to get a lot of FOMO sitting at home on the couch. You know, I suppose I could simulate it with a beer, but it's just not the same if it's not 32 degrees.
0: Yeah. Uh, for our listeners over through the UK or through Europe, to try and give you an indication of what Darwin is like compared to the rest of the capital cities in Australia, it was as if they were to run, I don't know, F1 in Dover. <laughs> what? What? Well, it's really? It's so removed from anywhere, isn't it, really, in, in regards to the people just so relaxed and it's
3: well, a
4: small
1: city. More like running F1 in the Bahamas, I think, would probably be more appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tropical palm trees. Tax Pla- haven. Tax haven, place where you can go when you get in trouble, you know. Sounds like Monte Carlo. Well, no, I think you get caught there, Shebex. Oh, no, okay. But Darwin, does. it does feel like one of the few major places in Australia where if you were in a spot of bother with the law, you could just sort of go up there and vanish for a little bit and just lay low.
0: Well, well not you could. People do. Uh, let's I'll be honest about it. People go up there to hide. Clearly. All power to them. Yeah, and you can. That's a funny thing about it. It's such a big place with such a small population. It's very easy not to be found. And you could probably pick up a taxi license real cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you probably can. We love the Darwin taxi drivers. They do a great job up there. G'day to all of our friends. If you'd like to hear more about that story, uh, join us uh, for
1: Beers on TRT, which will return at a later date this year and we might be able to air the unedited, uncensored version of the Darwin Taxi Driver story. So Wednesday night's Mindle Markets. Thursday night is Mindle Markets. Uh, what's Wednesday night? Wednesday night is uh, First Beers in Town night. That's right.
0: Correct. Thursday night's Mindle Markets.
1: Mindle Markets. Um <laughs> which is just one of the great things that you get to do as part of this gig, Shebex, as you well know, is is go and see the sights. And um, there are the fantastic sunset markets in Darwin that happen during the dry season up there. And and everyone gets down there and has a a bit of a feed and something to drink. And then uh, we generally wander up to the ski club afterwards, which is just up the coast a little bit and uh, sit on the lawn and uh, have a, what is a very, very good palmy and uh, a couple of beers and
3: just sort of, Ease into Darwin life for a weekend. The thing with the markets is that they happen Thursday night, Sunday night, and all the drivers, the creatures of habits normally at race meetings where they'll go back to the hotel room and study data and have an ice cream and go to bed early. But every Thursday night, you're guaranteed to see all the drivers out there eating filthy dirt, you know, street food out of a van.
0: Yeah, out of a van that sells roadkill or so they say. Correct. There is a roadkill van. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Correct, uh, the, but the the drivers have to go there on a Thursday. Isn't there a big signing? Session? There is generally a big autograph session in town. Yeah, but and it
1: is part of the big the promotion that they do. But they do do it very well in Darwin. It's if you've ever been to the Adelaide Five Hundred, if you haven't been to Darwin, Darwin is like the Adelaide Five Hundred was, but in a road course. Mm. Similar temperatures as well, it must be said. But um, it, it's got that party vibe. Everyone's there having a good time. It's pretty laid back um but they promote it really well and it still feels like even though we've been going there for what almost 25 years now it, it feels like it still takes over the town and like the, the last time I was there in 2019 were you there that year in 19 yes. we we were sitting at the tap on Mitchell Street and the truck parade went through maybe yep. the, the transporter parade goes through on the Wednesday night and the town's aligned with uh, the streets are lined with punters and everyone gets behind it. And then they have autograph session in town. And I think it's down at the waterfront um, where the wave pool is okay. this year, um, just for something different, which is cool. So yeah, uh, it, it, the whole city gets behind it. And, and that's it, it's the, the template for what every supercar race should be, what the street circuit events are, yeah. and what the other road course events can't be, because the circuit isn't 15 minutes from the middle of the capital city of yeah. the state.
3: I, I mean, in the past, they've, sort of parlayed out of race day into concert mode. But mm. now with the top fuel dragsters, like, that's a, a different take on it, but it's pretty cool. Like, that's still something that you want to hang around and mm. see. So they're, they're doing a really good big event vibe. You know, the support category is having S5000, Carrera Cup, uh, Superbikes. It's having something for everyone, and it gets yeah. all those different people, and it doesn't matter what your interest in motorsport is, you're going to attend, aren't you? Mm.
0: Yeah, you certainly are. And I think the other great thing about it, too, is, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it is the largest sporting event in the Northern Territory. Yes, For the year. It is. They they do have AFL football that goes up there. They do have uh, NRL, Rugby League, I think, plays a match up in Darwin as well. But Supercars, hands down, beats it crowd-wise. Yeah, no, it is the biggest event in the
1: Territory. Do you know the one thing I don't think they do well enough, and, and they're not really linked, is they don't tie Fink, the Fink Desert Race, think Dakar, but in Australia, if you're listening from overseas, they don't link that in well with the supercar round. So Fink ran on the weekend and Fink is an enormous event and it's hugely popular and it's the central Australia's biggest sporting Mm. event in Alice Springs and surrounds. But they don't – there's no cross-promotion, at least not visibly from the outside. So there's a real opportunity there where they could do – I don't know. They could do something where they link them together somehow. You could do – In the States, they run drag and drive events where people run their their drag cars, road registered drag cars, and go to a series of drag strips over a couple of days. And then at the end of it, that's the team with the best average time wins. So you could do that. You could run them at Alice Springs has got a drag strip. You could run up at Tyndall. I'm sure the RAF would give you a runway for a couple of hours. You could do all sorts of stuff. You close part of the Sturt Highway used to happen for Cannonball Run. Um, I don't know. I, I think the, the potential for this really quirky, really different two-week festival of motorsport between the Fink Desert race, the Darwin supercars, and then something in between in that week could be
0: unbelievable. Well, it'd be great to have – well, the Fink Desert race probably can't finish in Darwin, but to have something actually finish in Darwin on the Wednesday, mm. which leads into the start of supercars. Yeah, sure, 100%. But mm. uh,
1: e- either way, it's it's a great – Event to visit and uh, it always produces something a little bit different and, and that's what I think we really like about it.
0: Yeah, we certainly do. We also like the fact that it's great racing and it's a, a really hot track in regards to watching the racing there as well. There's plenty happening, the big long straight and then that run into turn one is just terrifying at times.
1: Well, we're just talking to David Wall and and it, it's a track of two characters because it's only... What two point eight k's long? So it's not a long circuit. One point one kilometers of that is straight. So all of a sudden, like one point what nine, one point eight k's of the lap are all corners. Yeah. And and that's what the run from turn one down to turn what's the last corner? Fifteen. Many, many. Yeah. Uh, the the final corner. Um, it's really really busy. So and and talking to the open wheel guys in S five thousand, they've got no idea what they're going to do with setup because do you trim your car out for straight line speed? to try and get some overtaking done at turn one? Or do you wind the downforce in so your car's really good through the middle bits, but it might leave you exposed in a straight line running down towards that big stop at turn one at the end of a straight, which in an S5000 is going to be 285 k's an hour, which is properly shifting. So I love that it gives a little bit of a, a setup compromise and a bit of a challenge. But yeah, that opening corner is always wild. There's always... You hold your breath, don't you, because they go in there four wide and often they definitely don't come out of it four wide.
3: The thing is, too, with this track, it it brings back the biff to an Mm. extent. Normally people go a little bit crazy, as we saw last year, and we saw some ridiculous results on the Saturday where you had the Kosteckis, you know, Jack and Kurt and the Wildcard up there in the top six. Mm. You know, it's that sort of track where anything sort of goes and some of these uh, race starts, we saw a big pile up there with Anton getting wiped out. So... As much as qualifying is important it's the sort of place where you can still overtake but it's the sort of place where you don't know what's going to happen
0: and it's a track that both of the leading teams have pretty much had a lot of success in over the past few years i'm talking of course of shell v power racing and triple eight
1: yeah well for djr it's probably an important weekend and we touched on this after winton because they've been very good in darwin recently they've qualified exceptionally well in darwin recently but they've got to start converting and they're coming off their worst round of the championship. We, we touched post-Winton on how terrible they were there and, and they owned it. They they uh, added to that. And later in the show, you'll hear from Anton Di Pasquale and Will Davison, who celebrates a big milestone this weekend. We'll touch on that in a second, but man, they've got some work to do this weekend. So they'll be buoyed a little bit, Mark, by the fact that they come into this weekend with
3: a bit of prior form at the racetrack. It's the sort of thing, too, this year, SVG, the past record book, hasn't exactly meant a whole lot. He's only got two previous wins in Hidden Valley. So, you know, that doesn't mean a lot with 2022 spec SVG, but he's got to go out there and get the job done. But saying that, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue the, the form up there. So, so
1: DJ you- Ar- DJ Arshabecks do have decent form, like McLaughlin. But, again, it's that same story that mark's been talking about a lot this year is that all a lot of djr's recent success has all been the scott mclaughlin factor Mm. so you can't really go back and look at the record books and bank on it but like dating back what mclaughlin 2017 mclaughlin mclaughlin then it was reynolds then it was scott then it was scott anton when he was at erebus that was a good win from anton then scott then jamie won one for t8 that was their first win since 2016 back in um round one of 2020 when they had that double header then scotty swept the the second round, and then he disappeared off to uh, to the States. And then last year it was Chaz and SVG. Um, but DJR qualified really well. So, so
0: in the past 16 races held at Darwin, 12 of them have been won by New Zealanders. Shane yeah. has won three, Scotty's won eight, and Fabian's won one. Probably couldn't get as big a contrast between New Zealand and Darwin, could you? They don't really no, have a have Darwin so.
1: equivalent. <laughs> Tip of the North Island, maybe, but
0: where it gets to at least 15 degrees.
1: <laughs> True story. But Will Will on two poles last
0: year, Anton won, so in Darwin, but they did not convert. Special race for Will, two 500th start for him in supercars, which is quite amazing, and also doing it in a year that uh, Doric, of course, celebrating their 50th year as well. So it's a little bit of a, a mixed party up there in Darwin for those guys. Yeah, they're going to have a big uh, photo shoot there and
3: a lot of celebrations around the event. And, uh, of course, our friends at Doric, have a fantastic competition at the moment, uh, go to doric.com.au shop, spend a hundred bucks and you could win a VIP trip for two to the Adelaide 500. And I think I'm out of the running, but Richard, go buy yourself some Doric products. You, could, well, uh,
1: you were struggling to get in my uh, sliding door today to the back of uh, the Race Talk yeah. HQ. So I think I need to go and get a new lock system for the sliding door. Despite the fact it was unlocked, you yeah sit I'd outside just, for about half an hour waiting to try and get in. Yeah. So it does stick. So I think we need a new Doric lock. Uh, and then I need one of those, um, what is the Epic? Epic. Yeah, which is the, the touchpad thing for my front door, just to really make uh, TRT towers nice and secure. Uh, and then I can go into the drawer to win. Do I? Am I allowed to go into that draw? Yeah, why not? But I thought what we might do, just on that conversation, Shebex, is that... Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Adelaide 500 this year. So competition winners will come to the Adelaide 500, wherever you're from in Australia, and hang out with hashtag Doric guy. We might throw in some TRT stuff with that as well. TRT and Doric are very, very pleased to be working together, and we love their support of both this show and our website. So we'll throw something in. Yeah. No, no, what? We'll get
3: them on the pod or something like that. I don't
0: uh, know. On the uh, Will
3: Davison thing, 500 races. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of, he's been around a fair old while, you know, long way back to 2004, but he's had a lot of success with a lot of different teams you know, you look at him with uh, HRT, Ford Performance Racing his first time with uh, Dick Johnson Racing back in 2007, 2008 when he was up there uh, scoring his first few wins and podiums uh, and he's still winning now, so I mean they're talking about contracts and what they're going to do with Will next year, but uh there's probably not a lot of options out there that are better than him.
1: Well, who, who would you put in? Who would you put into that car that would do the same job that Will is doing now? That no one springs to mind. Even drivers, we don't know the contract status of everyone, but most people on the grid are pretty settled. There's no one out of contract that's winter
0: bottoms out. Winter out at the end of this year. Yeah, you but probably no. wouldn't put him in with, with all the love in the world
1: for
3: Frosty. No, no, he's gonna
0: replace. Yeah, not true.
3: Will Davison, um, with contracts aren't worth the paper yeah. they're written on. I mean, there was talk about Will Brown. Is Will Brown better than Will Davison?
1: Well, I don't know. There, there has to be a bit of long-term planning because Will won't drive forever. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just there's no obvious candidate. He's won a race. He's been on the podium. Six times this year is fourth in the championship. So,
3: yeah, paper polls, too. Lots of poles that didn't, do <laughs> last didn't year. Convert. Yeah.
0: And they're not yeah. in a situation where they could do what Triple H did, of course, with Brock Feeney and get a good young kid working through because, once again, with all respect to Anton, he's not Shane Van Gisbergen.
1: Well, no, but, the, well, he's pretty close. He's, he's only second behind him in the championship. Yeah. But no, I see your point. But, um, no, experience again, wise, but, I
0: was talking, but longer.
1: again, who do you get?
0: No, well, that's right. Yeah.
1: Like two of the better young guns in Super 2 are owned by Triple Eight in Declan Fraser and Cameron Hill. So I did get a Juice Jader. Well, that's what like, I was
0: going to say there's, there's a couple of guys short, that
1: i are- ties, but it's it, it's not a, a fate accompli complete like a Brock Feeney was um just to slide in and, and, and no one else has got that uh X factor I think at the moment at least um, just to have the potential
3: to slide into one of the best six or seven seats in Australian motorsport. It's all good, 888, having these young guns signed up with Declan and and Cam Hill, but what do they do with them? Where do they go? They're, there's nowhere in that 888 pipeline for them to really go to, is there? No, Well, probably not. Probably not. I think what they're part of it is that
1: they're just assuring themselves of good enduro co-drivers for as long as they ever need them, as long mm-hmm. as they can keep them away from a full-time drive. So, yeah. yeah. There's
0: but- another guy that's making... Uh- a wild card debut at Darwin, Zach Best. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It is for
1: for Tickford. Yeah, I, again, like Zach, I've followed Zach's career for a while through Formula Four and, and in yeah. Super Two and Three. He was quite good in Super Three and that that epic season of Super Three we had, with won with by Brock Feeney, ironically. Um, but again, like he, he's he's grafted away at it, never had a massive budget to throw at it either. So that's certainly been been part of his story and yep. trying to to work his way through the career without having billions of dollars to throw at it, like some. But um yeah, I, is he a superstar of the future? Is he a
3: Cam Waters? Is he a Chaz Mostard? Is he a David Reynolds? Don't know. It probably just hasn't had a decent enough goal of it lately. I mean, he, he was leading going into Perth and came unstuck there with some mm. light traffic. But it's like all these young guys at the moment through the COVID period, they just haven't been able to get the race miles that other previous generations have been able to rack up. So you don't really know where they're at. You know, you can throw um, Brock Feeney into the mix and he does well, but is that going to translate to everyone?
0: Yeah, well, maybe not. All right. Uh, just on the supports, pretty of support action as well as you said the s5000s and career cup yes so round
1: three of painter dixon Carrera cup australia awesome championship winton was i think a pleasant surprise in that it wasn't the the procession that perhaps we thought it might be and we had some really good hard racing there and and the thing with career cup this year more than ever before that i can remember and certainly done it for a while uh is that if there's not anything going on at the front that, you know, the, the position for P 25 will be the world championship. And it is so unbelievably competitive all the way through the field. So good championship, um, Wally touched on it, McElroy racing. I reckon have pulled a, an absolute ace out of the deck by going and testing. And the test is nothing against testing rules saying you can't go to hidden Valley and test. Um, mm. they did that just before Winton. I think that gives them an enormous advantage to be honest uh and and if it doesn't mean they dominate the weekend what it means is that they probably qualified really well which is super important because they'll understand the track condition the current tire and the new car better than anybody from practice one so they'll be able to unload and be quick from that first session while it might take those two practices on Friday for everyone to get up to speed so I think that's a big a big role of the dice to invest and do that but Um, I think that will be a very worthwhile one for McIlray and for Harry Jones, who's leading the championship. That's going to be quite important. But lots of contenders there, Um, enjoying that. And then S5000, title up for grabs, the gold star, and Joey Mawson looking to become the first driver in two decades to defend the Australian Drivers' Championship. The last driver to do it was Simon Wills in 2000 and 2001, driving a Formula uh, Formula Holden for Barana Racing, mm. so Joey on the cusp of a little bit
3: of history. Only eight drivers, shebex have yep. done it in the history of the sport. There you go. Hmm. Some interesting drivers in the mix there as well, coming out of the woodworks for this round. Good to see John Martin having a yeah, a good go. he's mm. been a gun in open wheelers in the past. Yeah, that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, very good. Jordan Boys as well should be
3: fast, fresh off his main game
1: debut uh, last time out at Winton, which was cool. So. Um, young Cooper-Webbs is fast. Jimmy Golding's been there before in uh, a supercar. Tim Macro, who's second in the championship, um, he rubbish one lap pace this year for Tim. He hasn't qualified any better than fifth, and his worst qualifying performance was sixth. So uh, at least he's consistent, but he really needs to qualify well. But he's won there in F3 cars before. So he's the only one with relevant open wheel experience at that joint. The other thing for mine, uh, and we have played the whole lap record card a little bit in S5000, but the, this is a circuit where there's a real potential that they could knock Formula Holden off um, with that long straight. And they're going to be about 20 Ks an hour quicker than a Formula Holden was down the front chute at, the, at uh, Hidden Valley. So True. Simon Wills holds the lap record there, uh, which was set in 2001. Um I think it was 0-2. Remember those battles? He was drafted back in for a weekend to race Rick Kelly in Rico's Gold Star year and um, was beating him and then got told to let Rick pass, but that's a podcast for another day. But uh, Willsie holds the lap record there, so it'll be cool to see 5,000 hit up there and perhaps knock off uh, an outright lap record.
0: Time for congratulations and commiserations. First of all, congratulations to Ryan Story and Benny Clemenko receiving their Order of Australia's. I agree. Yep. Well yeah, well done.
1: Congratulations, Ryan. I don't. I don't. I didn't read the citation for Betty Shebex, Uh, and I feel bad that I didn't. But Ryan, I know, does a lot of charity work. Yep, especially over here in South Australia, over on the uh, the peninsula. So, um, yeah, well done. Earned.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, commiserations to the family of uh, Tim Pemberton Plastic, of course, one of the long-standing PR guys in the sport very much involved with uh, Peter Brock through his time passing away just a couple of days ago after uh, a fairly long illness been cooked for the last couple of years so I don't think it was unexpected but uh, as always it is and uh yeah sad times uh for their family
1: yeah pembo was he sort of he didn't invent motorsport PR here did he but he had a lot to do with shaping he shaped how, for
0: sure
1: yeah how our sport went about attracting media attention and part of the reason Peter Brock was as famous as he was and remains was because of what Plastic did.
0: Well, I think the, so. the major advantage he had was the fact that he worked at an advertising agency. So he sort of understood that side of the marketing side of things and then was uh, asked to do some Holden PR. And from there, that sort of grew into everything else that he did for such a long period of time. But I think it was that understanding of selling a product that I think was his best uh Best asset in regards to his PR work. The the Holden wins poster, which is pretty iconic at yeah. Bathurst.
1: Yeah. Uh, was him. That was all him. And that's become such a staple of the race. And will you know, could possibly be seen one more time, but then it's all over. So um yeah, uh, it's a it's a sad loss for our sport, but um we were fortunate to induct him into the Supercar Media Association Hall of Fame at the start of the year, Correct. which was a nice thing we could do. So um I'm glad he got to see that and uh yeah he's a, a legend of our uh, legend of our game and I would go and and we haven't floated this at a board level but uh, I think the Tim Pemberton PR award might be a thing we could uh, roll into that at some point it's done
0: yeah well we're, the we're board has spoken of the board so <laughs> why
1: not? Well, you had it here first folks
0: yeah no that's a great idea richard well done we'll
1: find out how many of our contemporaries actually listen to
0: the podcast now shebex <laughs> exactly well yeah, that's very true too uh let's move on guys we've covered darwin let's uh head off to azerbaijan a good result for mclaren an eighth and a ninth i suppose it's nice to have them in the top 10 for a change but gee whiz it was uh ugly up front for ferrari wasn't it they just a Dog yeah. of a weekend, and it, it actually continues what is a worse season for them than what I think people think. I think their, their ability to get some results early on has actually masked and clouded how bad the Ferrari has been. Well, clearly they've strung themselves out trying to get performance, and the things
1: are fragile because they keep breaking. Not great. Uh, good result for Daniel. Um, the little inter-team politics there were fun to watch. Wasn't a great race, though. Like, no. There's would a bit going on, but from a Baku, Baku's the IndyCar street circuit race of Formula 1 every year, and that was just totally... It was just a car race. So it was a bit mm. disappointing in that respect, especially the fact it was on in bloody prime time. <laughs> the, the one 9 o'clock Eastern, 8.30 here in yeah. South Australia type race we get, and it wasn't very good. Anyway. That was all right. Uh, what else happened? Road America? Uh, Road right
0: America. Exactly. He was willpower from uh, hero to zero, pretty much. Fenced. Well, he did get fenced. Yeah, he did. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. Old uh, Devlin the- De Francesco didn't uh, do our boy any harm, but... Yeah. Um, Scotty went well. Yeah, good. He-, he needed that, didn't he? Just needed a solid top 10 result after the last few weeks, which have been pretty brutal for him, so... That was solid. And then uh, you were watching on Monday
3: morning, Mark NASCAR, and another pretty crazy result there. Uh, not entirely unexpected. Um, Daniel Suarez, the first Mexican driver to win in NASCAR's top tier. He's won the Xfinity Series before, mm. and he's had a real sort of journeyman run from there through Joe Gibbs and Stuart Haas. And- Gaunt Brothers Racing, which was sort of a nowhere team, to wind up at Trackhouse. And it turns out Trackhouse is the team you want to be with because... Especially r- on a road course. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm. They've won both of them this year. Ross Chastain's won two races and second in the point score. And now Daniel Suarez, he's been in the mix a few times and it's, for whatever reason has always sort of come up short. But uh, had a heap of pressure there from Chris Busher, but he made it through to the finish. Really good story. I don't think anyone uh, dislikes that. Uh, I think he's the fifth ever... Non USA-born yeah. driver yeah, yeah, yeah. to win in NASCAR. So, so the, what? What there'd be a, Australian, obviously, Monkey Marcus. Um, Murray Andretti. Uh, there was a Canadian that won at Martinsville many many years ago. Juan Pablo Montoya. Oh yeah, okay, Colombian. Well, yeah. that's four and five Mexican. Yeah,
1: right. Mm. Nice, nice. That is nice. Uh, anything else happening? No, that's no, it. I think that's it, Bex. <laughs> I think we should hear from. Uh, Will Davison
0: and Anton De Pasquale let's do that as Tom Archuli from Doric catches up with the boys for a bit of a chat ahead of what's going to be a big weekend for them we'll catch you guys next week we will be
1: sure to send you lots of messages well I will anyway from from Hidden Valley looking forward to it dust off the shorts now All right,
0: let's continue the show
5: Round six of the 2022 Girls Championship takes place at Hidden Valley Raceway in Darwin. And joining me today is Mr. Will Davison. Willie, hello to you. Hello, Tommy. So in sport, like in a footy team, if you have a bad weekend, you train harder, work harder, etc. So how does a race team recover from a, a bad weekend like you guys had at winter? Um,
4: I mean, you just have to regroup and back yourself and um, yeah. Just keep keep things logical uh, and non-emotional, really. So um, there's no magic in in the sport. So um, you know, when you do well, sometimes it may seem seamless and easy, but it never is, uh, particularly at this level in such a controlled sport. Um, you know, teams that are doing well every week, and we're generally one of them that's consistently performing at a high level. Um, sometimes that can be taken taken for granted. So. Um, yeah, I think Winton proved just how easy it is um, to just not quite be at that level. I mean, it's, it was tricky factors for us being a two-day event. I uh, haven't been there in three years. Um, obviously, since we've been there, the Victorians have probably tested there six or seven times. So um, such a short amount of catch-up to do. Um, you know, we just weren't where we needed to be. And um, so since then, we obviously have um, you know, spent a lot of time um, analysing and talking and it's, it's all been really healthy um and that's what you know that's what really makes a great team and that's why you know djr shelby power racing team are you know champion team so um non-emotional um stuck together uh, and uh just don't look back look forwards and um
5: yeah always just learn from your mistakes and make sure you you, you come back stronger so Darwin is uh, Willie 500, your 500th race mm. in supercars. you So far, 20 wins, two Bathurst wins and 70 podiums so far in the known races in your supercars career. How do you reflect on your, your journey so far?
4: Uh, yeah, I suppose I try not to really think about it too much. I literally go into every weekend still feeling... Um, like it's my first, um, so there are the odd moments where there's a little bit of reflection comes in, but uh, certainly don't have too much time for that at the moment. It, uh, I don't really know what it means. Um, you know, I'm obviously proud to have, um, you know, been able to, you know, survive and and you know have a a long career to date. Um, but I'm I'm still literally it sounds cliche, but still in the, you know, in the heat of the battle and um, you know. Still just soldiering on, so it, it's a milestone, whatever that means, um, but don't like getting too caught up in uh, you know in these milestones, just focused on results and winning um, but of course I'm proud um, to still be here um, you know had some amazing experiences of course there's been ups and downs. Um, always look back and think what if, but there's just no point. Um, you know, I'm proud of everything I've achieved and, you know, lessons I've learned and, you know, of course hindsight's a wonderful thing, but uh, there's no point getting caught in that in motorsport. Uh, every every year and every situation I've taken a lot from and um, just worked with so many amazing people and, you know, had some just incredible experiences um, and I'm still building on that and um, looking forward to just adding more to the chapter. Race race numbers doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm focused on on race wins and, and those kind of statistics. So uh hopefully there's
5: plenty more to add yet. For sure. Uh so Darwin. So last year, two polls and two seconds in Darwin. Can you take anything from last year and bring it into this year?
4: Uh yeah, absolutely we can. Of course we can. So um yeah, we're going there, um, you know, backing ourselves entirely. Um, obviously, very determined to execute a, a good weekend after Winton. Um, and uh, yeah, knowing we had, you know, three pole positions there last year between Anton and myself, I had the two poles on Sunday. Uh, obviously, only finished second in both those races. Um, so clearly, we'd love to um, be on the top step, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're you know really confident that uh, we're going to have fast cars this weekend. The sport does move, uh, you know, move a long way in 12 months. Um, but um, you know, we know this year we've been strong pretty much all year long, if not stronger than last year. So always moving forwards. Um, you know, we're always trying new things on the car, developing the car, and it's it's quite exciting to be a part of that. So. Um, it's not entirely the same as last year, but uh, yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're confident that uh, we're going to be on it. So for me, you know, I'm just focused on myself and trying to grab, grab the opportunity and, um, you know, really, you know, really uh, bounce back.
5: So Darwin is a racetrack. Um, it's the middle of June. It's hot. Uh, is it, what, is, what does it take to go fast around, around Darwin and Hidden Valley Raceway? Uh, it's yeah,
4: it's it's a really fun
5: layout. It's
4: um, yeah, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. So trying to get trying to get the car balanced um, is tricky. You know, it's obviously the temperature. Track temperature is always very high. Um, so you're phasing of your tyres and your preparation of your tyres, and just getting that balance right. You know, it's a big big braking zone into turn one, into turn four. Your braking balance is critical. Um, and then there's some flowing sections as well throughout the lap where, you know, front grip's incredibly important and just the flow of the car, just maintaining a front-to-rear balance. So um, that's effectively qualifying. And then, you know, over the race, um, it's just trying to manage that as as well as you can. Uh, the circuit was resurfaced five years ago. You know, um, it is declining a little bit every year, but it's still, a you know, quite a high quality uh, bitumen and um you know provides decent grip um doesn't really wear the tire too much but obviously we see just huge temperatures for for the tires and the engine and the brakes so um it's managing that trying to be in clean air all the usual stuff but uh yeah the temp the temp up there does you know play havoc with the way your, your event your race plays out so um yeah fun track do love it and um
5: Yeah, I think our card, you know, should be well suited. So um, let's see see what we can do with it. Let's see indeed. Uh, Thank you for your time, Willie. Have a great day and we'll see you up there in Darwin. Thanks, Tommy. 500. Is that right? Can we make Willie 500 a thing or not? Uh, Sure, mate. Go your hardest. Doric's been
4: there for a lot of them with me. So, um, yeah. Very proud of that. Very thankful for all the support. And hey, we're in this together. So thanks for being a part of it, everyone.
5: Um, let's go for the win on the five hundredth. Yeah. Fun fact: sixty-seven percent of your races have had uh, Doric on board. Two thirds, mate. Two thirds of five hundred, so that's three hundred and sixty-seven or something. So not bad, huh? No, it's amazing. So
4: um, we'll get all get all my helmets out soon. All the uh, Doric sort of. Um, Covered helmets, and uh, we'll get them all out. There's been some special memories amongst amongst all those races.
0: There's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid.
5: Round six of the 2022 Supercast Championship goes to Darwin at Hidden Valley Raceway. And joining me today is Anton De Pasquale. Hello, ADP. Hey, Tom, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Very good, thanks. Very good. That's all right. Okay. So, Winton didn't really go. Uh, our way as a race team, how do you analyze that and how do you improve for next time?
6: Um, well, there's, yeah, there's the element of Winton is Winton and it's obviously different to Darwin. Um, most of our shortfalls of Winton was just down to pure car speed. So a lot of that shouldn't carry over to Darwin. Um, although some of the weaknesses are things that we've experienced in the past. So, we do have a test day plan, so we'll attack more of that there. But um, Darwin becomes its own base from last year. We were there last year and we're pretty competitive. So that's sort of our baseline moving there. Um, but, yeah, we kind of leave that in the past for now. I mean, if we're probably a little bit more stressed, obviously we'll stress them out a bit. But if we were racing these cars there next year, we would definitely be a lot more stressed. But um, we know we're not going back with these cars to pretty much every track. So, yeah, you kind of go back to our Darwin base, Um but try and take some things out of it and try and solve what our issues were at the test day in case it comes up later in the year again.
5: So in 2022, you've been really consistent. You've had six podiums and 13 top 10s in the first 15 races compared to eight in 15 last year. What do you put that down to?
6: Um, a couple DNFs probably. <laughs> last year, there was a couple of DNFs early. Um, and our consistency and our knowledge is probably a little bit higher this year compared to where it was last year, obviously a new team for me and Will, um, new cars and, and so on and so forth. So a little bit of that, and obviously we f- probably feel like a lot's still gone missing this year of sort of where we could have been. So, yeah, there's uh, is, is the consistency element to that, but um, our top 10s are good. But, yeah, we'd probably like a, a few more podiums and a couple wins by now, but we'll uh, work on that for the next part of the year.
5: So, Darwin, you've had a win there. You've polled there. So you seem to go pretty well in Darwin. So is there any reason behind that? And does that give you extra confidence going into the race this weekend?
6: Um, We like to think that we're able to drive every track good. Um, But I think, yeah, I've been fortunate to have some quick cars at Darwin. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back there this year. Last year, we had a really fast car. The races didn't sort of plan out that well for us on our side of the garage, but um, our car was always fast. So hopefully we're qualifying in that top few um, some of the things we've learned this year. Have a fast race car, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, bring the trophy home.
5: So, second in points so far. Card question: What score would you give you
6: and the team so far this year? Score? Oh, I'm not a, I'm not very good at scores. <laughs> I <don't laughs> think we want to score anything. Obviously, um, we, yeah, we're, we're second in the points, so we've scored the most points of anyone in terms of second most points. Sorry, but. Um, yeah we're still a long way sort of I think ultimately behind Shane so they're probably running at a 10 and that probably puts us at a 7 or 8 or something like that Um, but yeah there's just a a couple times we've been really close we've had a fair few seconds and we've been sort of you know a few laps away but um, yeah we're we're working pretty hard on that and hopefully next few tracks bring some uh, that score up for us.
5: Final question: You've been in DJR for a year and a half now. So, do you feel comfortable now in the team, or does it take a, how long does that establish to take to get to get comfortable in the race team itself?
6: Um, yeah, good question. I think it's very hard to. At the time, you always like feel pretty comfortable because obviously surrounded by amazing people, so you're you're pretty welcome and and comfortable from day one. But looking back on it, you obviously you go, oh yeah. It, and that probably happened because of this and this and this and this. So it's in, in the moment you feel as comfortable as ever, but um, looking back on it now, 12 months on, you know, a, a lot more established within the team and understanding, you know, all the procedures and all little things like anytime you change jobs in any industry, it's always getting used to the people, um, the technology, the processes, you know, all, all those little things, um, which I think the teams made it really easy for us to adapt to the team. So, um, and obviously, our car's super fast, but um, it does things to you know to extract the speed out of it the most. It's sort of a new skill as well. So, yeah, I mean, are you ever fully comfortable? And you know, you, the more time you got, the better you'll get. Always. So it's a hard one to sort of say there's an end point to it. But yeah, definitely more more a year on year. And it's I think during the off season, working with the same people, um, our whole team sort of stay the same all the way through. Um, so that, that always helps that that aspect. You always work with the same mechanics, same engineers on both cars, you know, the same guys back at the workshop, the same friendly faces. So, yeah, super comfortable and, and sort of love being here for sure. Thanks for your time, mate. Always sure the best in Darwin. Can't
5: wait to get up there. Thanks. See you there, mate.